0: So today we're joined by Father Anthony Chantry, who's the National Director of Missio. Missio is the Pope's official charity for World Mission. On the 22nd of October this year, it's gonna be World Mission Sunday, which is a global celebration of our church and mission coordinated by Missio. So just to begin, I was wondering if you could just give us a bit, a little bit more information on, on what World Mission Sunday is, why, why it was inaugurated.
1: Thank you Finn, it's good to be here. World Mission Sunday was instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1926 is a day of prayer for mission and missionaries. Now, if you want a definition of what we now see uh, World Mission Sunday as trying to accomplish, I think St. John Paul II in 1992 gave a very good definition, and it runs like this. World Mission Sunday calls us each year in the spirit of the church's unity and universality to a renewed commitment to everyone's responsibility for the spread of the gospel message. So I think that's a very full and comprehensive definition, if you like, of what we try to achieve on this uh, special day each year. It is a highlight of what we should be doing all the time. So it's not just one day in the year when we think about mission, missionaries. It is really meant to be sort of a focal point of what we should all be doing all through the year. So we hope it's a kind of a day of inspiration, a day of prayer, of course, but that should be going on all the time anyway. And a day of contributing towards the Universal Solidarity Fund, which helps churches in areas that are poor, churches that are very young, churches that are struggling across the world. And we support those dioceses and those missionaries and those projects that are helping to build up the church.
0: And I see that this year, Pope Francis has chosen the theme Hearts on Fire, Feet on the Move. Could you um, give us a little bit more background on that and why that's been chosen as the theme?
1: Absolutely. Well, he chose one of my favorite passages in the Bible, one of the favorite stories, the road to Emmaus. And if you remember, the uh, disciples were moving away from Jerusalem, where Jesus had just been executed unjustly. And they were disillusioned, their hearts downcast. And then Jesus comes to them. And he speaks to them. And they don't recognize him. They don't know who he is but he explains the Scriptures, he explains the Word of God to them. And suddenly, they begin to feel a little bit um, alive. Their hearts are on fire. Their hearts are on fire as they hear the Word of God. And just as an aside, I read the Gospels quite a lot, as you can imagine, and uh, sometimes nothing much happens, but actually, fairly regularly, I read a passage that I've been reading all my life and suddenly it becomes alive and I feel something happening inside of me. Now, please be assured that on the scale of holiness I'm about nearly zero. But this is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the risen Christ. It's the work of of God who moves us when, when we need it. So, hearts on fire. And then, of course, after that, they sit down for what we would recognize as the Eucharist, a Eucharistic experience where they break bread. And in that, their eyes are opened and they see Jesus for who he really is. And then he disappears. But he hasn't gone. What he has become is part of us, part of the disciples that we become what we consume, as that beautiful prayer at the end of Mass the other day was. We become the sacred body and blood of Christ, the bread broken in the world. We are those who are now sent out to proclaim the resurrection. And that's what they do, because after all that experience, the disciples move back to Jerusalem to proclaim the resurrection. So that reminds me, at the end of Mass, the priest says, go in the peace of Christ, It isn't, well, let's let us go or, you know, let's think about going and see what we're going to do after Mass. No, it is a command. Go. Go and proclaim the gospel. Don't hang around here. You've been fed. You've been inspired. Now go out and with joy proclaim the gospel in your daily life. And that is what mission is all about.
0: Before the uh, World Mission Sunday, Misho put out some information about some of the work you're doing in... Africa's biggest slum in Kibera in Kenya. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I think you've even you've even well, been I, near Kibera yourself.
1: Well I worked in Kenya as a Mill Hill missionary from 1981 to 1990 and I've been back many times since for different occasions and in response to my responsibilities. So I have seen Kibera and I have not actually been in it, but I know exactly what's going on in there because I've been in a 100 slums throughout the world, and they're all the same. They all follow the same pattern. There are people who, because of the economic situation, perhaps the social situation, are confined to very densely populated areas without facilities. By that I mean no electricity, no water, no communications no drainage no surge etc in most places most of the time and yet in those places that i have been uh, and worked the people never generally generally never lose hope there's always a sense that god actually god is with them that God is accompanying them, perhaps for some feeling that God is also suffering with them. And so it is that our story that we present for World Mission Sunday really encapsulates all of that. Sister Mary, who lives in Kibera with the people, immensely difficult for her and for her fellow sisters because they will share the same deprivations as the people they are serving. So her whole philosophy, if you like, her whole spirituality, actually, is to accompany people, to be with them, to share in their suffering as far as they can, and to listen. An enormously important part of mission is to listen, to listen to where people are, to listen to their culture, to listen to their innate spirituality. Because I have not met anyone in Kenya yet who does not believe in God, they may not believe in the God I do, but that's another question. But you can talk to people about God, and you can talk to people about spirituality and how they connect with mystery and with their ancestors and with all that we probably take for granted here. So accompanying people, listening to people, and helping people to move on from where they are, not from where you think they are or where they should be, but listening actually to what the whole synodal process is about, listening to how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us together and acting upon that. Very difficult to do. We're all very flawed, and we all think we've heard the Holy Spirit, and we actually haven't. We've just heard ourselves and our egos and our our aspirations (laughs) and all our, our supposed cleverness which for God is foolishness. So what we want to try and um, help people to understand is that mission is now about not imposing, not forcing, coercing, if that ever was possible anyway, but it's about listening, being present to people, accompanying them, and acting on what comes from that. Whatever wisdom comes from there and some wonderful things can come from those kinds of encounters, as it did for Jesus. Exactly as Jesus did exactly the same. We're just following the Master. He will show us the way.
0: I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. There's so many things when you listen to you talk, Then, so many questions I want to ask, but one thing that I was really interested to know is throughout all this work you've done and, and some of these encounters you're talking about so movingly, Have you felt a big change in your day-to-day life and and your own personal spirituality as a result of some of this work? Yes,
1: most definitely. When I went to Africa, it's an old story, and if you've heard it, just humor me. Uh, When I went to Africa in 1981 as a young enthusiastic missionary after six years of training uh, as a Mill Hill missionary, I thought I was going to save Africa. (laughs) And it wasn't a bad motivation. But I thought I was going to give, 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 give of my learning about sacred scripture and about sacraments and about possibly a bit of canon law thrown in. Uh, I thought I, I could help people and bring people to God. And um, I soon learnt, and it took a little bit of a while, to know that actually I had not very much to offer, really.
0: Mm.
1: Not very much. Of course, I did. Had something. I'm not... Uh, something there, but I... Point is, I learnt more about hmm, a whole list of things, about hospitality, true hospitality, about how you can be hopeful and joyful in quite difficult situations, if not desperate situations, situations that I would crumple under the burden of, uh, yet with people I, I, I accompanied there, they managed and they always smiled and they were always hospitable and they always thought that God was with them and that God would show them the way through and that God give them the strength. So I learned more about hospitality, about God, and about how to relate to God than uh, than I was able to offer, I think. In other words, I came away having learnt more, yeah. one way or another, than what I could teach. And I did do some teaching, not denying that there was an aspect to that, yes, we, we bring something, but. Unless you're open to what other people bring you, then it's a one-way street, and that doesn't work. That doesn't work.
0: Mm. What do you think the? What do you think the secret is for these people you're talking about? that keeping this sense of optimism, because I mean, you get me on a bad day, all my sense of optimism can be taken away just with a five-minute delay in the tube, or you know, not getting a seat, and I find myself moaning and groaning, which I don't always like. Um, exactly, I don't like that about myself um, always. And uh, what is it that's different for them that they're able to keep a, a buoyancy?
1: That's a very good question, and I don't know the answer, but I've always got something to say. So let me, <laughs> uh, let me let me suggest this that I think on the margins of society, and there are huge margins. In fact, sometimes I think majority of the world's on the margins one way or another. But anyway, on the margins, especially in areas of poverty and despair and oppression, God makes God's self more present, Mm. more accessible. And those words, I've already failed using those words because God is always accessible everywhere. Of course, of course, somehow, like Jesus, maybe he's a little bit more active on the Those situations where people desperately need hope and some kind of encouragement, some kind of courage to continue. So that's possibly a tiny part of the answer.
0: Whilst you've been talking, you know, I had before we chatted, I know we've met previously, and before we've chatted before, I think the concept I had of mission, when I heard the word mission, I had a very different idea in my mind to what you've been talking about. Has the church's concept of mission changed? Or has it always involved this kind of stuff? And is it just that our understanding has changed?
1: The core of mission has not changed. It is exactly the same as Jesus gave us. and That is, we need to proclaim the risen Lord and saviour of the world. Now, that needs to be unpacked. That changes according to time and culture, but it is still the same. We are called to proclaim Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, to the world and all that that implies. And to bring people, and this is the key, to bring people into relationship with him. So our first task is not to proclaim the church. Mm. We love the church. I'm part of the church. I'm happy to be part of the church, but it's not about proclaiming the church Mm -hmm. or even proclaiming the articles of the faith, true as all that is, it is primarily, the core of it, heart of it, is a relationship with the risen Christ, which is mysterious, mystical. I think um has said that all missionaries, that means all of us, by the way, have to be mystic. That doesn't mean having visions and uh, wonderful, extraordinary spiritual experiences, but being mystic meaning we are calling people to have a relationship with something we cannot see touch smell but is there Mm. fully alive and truth capital t and the rest comes after that what that means how we live it out how we live together in community how the word and sacraments feed us but the heart is always been that Proclaim the good news, the gospel of the Lord, the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the gospel, the living gospel, which makes, by the way, our hearts on fire.
0: Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I'll, I'll, I'll end with this final question. As many of the listeners will know, There's the, the synod is taking place as mm-hmm. we speak, which is, you know, it's, it's looking at the church's role in the 21st century and how we have more effectively proclaim Jesus to the whole world And I'm wondering, what specifically do missionaries and and people like you, what insights can you bring to the synodal process? If you were there with your wealth of experience, what do you think you could be telling us about our role in society?
1: Yes, uh, good question. You always ask good questions. No. Thank you. <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> well, there are three sort of elements to the synodal process. Communion, participation, and mission. So the three three go together. They're key words. And it's all about, as I've said just now, um, listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to Christ among us, and being empowered by the Spirit to bring all people to the Father, a kind of Trinitarian view of mission. Anyway... I think what missionaries or those who have devoted their lives to mission at the synod will encourage people to, to listen. If they're worth their salt, they have been listening to people they've served. So they understand what that's about and how difficult that is. Mm-hmm. If I were there, I would say be courageous. Be courageous. Risk. Calculated risk. Oh, yes. Yes but try to find ways in which we can do what we are called to do, and that is the mission, to proclaim Christ to the world. Try new ways. Try to be uh, inclusive. Try to be reaching out more to others in different ways. Try to recognize the presence of Christ working in all sorts of different ways as his kingdom, his, not ours, his kingdom comes to cooperate with that whole process of God redeeming the world. So I would say missionaries are going to, the missionary element of all that is, be bold, be courageous, don't lose hope. Christ never tires of us, as the Holy Father says in his message. stays with us. And when things get a bit um, seemingly hopeless, he gives us the courage to do what we are called to do. He will not desert us. It's his work. We just have to tune in. We have to just accept it in our own lives and embrace it, not just accept, embrace it fully and see what happens. See what happens. I think wonderful things will happen.
0: On those very, very beautiful words, we'll finish the interview. And uh, thank you ever so much for your time, Father. And um, I guess I'll hope my heart will be on fire, my feet will be on the move, and I can maybe reach out to some people in need having been inspired by your words.
1: Thank you, friends. it's been a pleasure. And just a final word, if uh, you are in your parish this weekend, make sure that everyone celebrates World Mission Sunday, somehow, that somehow it's included. All the materials are on our website, www.missio.org.uk. We've sent them out to all the parish priests in England and Wales, And let's hope that we have a good celebration, celebration of joy and hope. Amen.
0: Amen.